We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, the Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We're recording this episode on Thursday, April 21st, officially one week away from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. It is getting down to the wire here, Yusei, but before we get into our episode today, talking about this safety class, how are you doing today, man? And how are you feeling that we are now this close away from the start of the NFL Draft here coming up? Yeah, you know, I'm doing well. First off, I'm excited for the draft. I mean, this is going to be our second full draft cycle that we're going to be wrapping up doing this podcast together. And I just have to say, I think that every single year that we do this, you know, we grow so much as evaluators. And I think that every single year it gets even more fun. So Thursday can't get here fast enough. Obviously, I'll be at work all day. And then, you know, we'll have more content for you guys on Friday as well as Saturday regarding the draft. So we're fully locked in. I'm excited to do this with you, man. Yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. I mean, last year we were kind of filling out the whole process, but this year I think it's going to be really fun to, you know, you know go through all this, especially with the new regime. And, you know, you have the young quarterback here, and it's a really exciting time, I think. I'm really excited for this weekend. Obviously, it's going to be pretty quiet for us in the Bears then on Thursday because they don't have the first-round pick. But Friday and Saturday when we get to the meat of where the Bears are at here, um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I, I cannot wait uh, for the draft to get here only a week away. It's crazy to think about that. Um, but yeah, just counting down the dates at this point until the start of the draft, I'm just ready for it to be here. Um, but I mean, before we can get there to the draft here, I think we have to talk about the last position preview that we're doing here. Um, we haven't been able to get through all the positions for um, you know this draft cycle, but I think we'll tweet out and what we're going to end up doing is tweeting out our top five for some of the other positions that we didn't cover yet, but this is the last one I think we wanted to cover because this is a direct need for the bears um, is at the safety position uh, and talking about this draft class. Cause I think the bears, you know, this is a position that they could end up 
uh, investing in this year because you look at the position right now. Obviously, you got Eddie Jackson under contract. Uh, he signed that big deal a couple of years ago. Hasn't quite lived up to the deal, but you look at the structure of it. He's going to be locked in this year. He's probably going to be locked in next year, although it's a little bit of a question mark with the new regime here. But, you know, you got Eddie Jackson here on a big contract. And other than that, a lot of change um, so far when you look at some of the guys that are here and some of the guys that are not. I mean, Dion Bush, a guy who's been around for a very long time on this roster, a former fourth-round pick of uh, the old Ryan Pace regime. He's now gone with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Deshaun Gibson was a starter for the Bears the last couple of years. He's not be being brought back in free agency. Uh, they did bring back DeAndre Houston Carson on a one-year deal to kind of be a rotational you know, special teamer, which is what he's been throughout his entire career. He actually had a really good couple of last two seasons, I thought. And, you know, it's possible they may be seeing him as a you know starter here. But, you know, it's been pretty quiet on the safety front in terms of bringing in new names to the position here. They did make one, I thought, pretty significant signing, and that was Dane Crookshank from the Tennessee Titans in the offseason. They brought him in on a one-year, very cheap contract. Uh, Crookshank's an interesting player. He's kind of a bigger uh, physical cover guy who can man up against tight ends. Um, not the greatest tackler or, you know, a traditional box safety, but in coverage, uh, you know, the guy plays a really physical brand of football in that aspect of things uh, in the box there for you. So well, I wouldn't say the box, but up near the line of scrimmage when matched up against tight ends. Um, that was kind of how he was used as kind of like a third safety in the dime packages for Tennessee. I'm not sure what his role will be with the Bears here. I'm not sure, you know, how Eberflus is going to use these safeties, but I'd imagine he's playing a similar role, but maybe he could be pushing for a starting position. Um, you know, before we get into this class, you say, what are your thoughts on the Bears' approach at safety this offseason? And what do you think, you know, Eberflus is looking for in his safeties as we, you know, kind of start to see the first few moves of, you know, putting this defense together for his first year as coach here? Yeah, I would say what he's looking for in his safeties to answer that question is just players that are really solid in coverage. They're really good athletes. They're incredibly rangy too. But then also I think the biggest thing is just the fact that they are physical hard hitters. They are absolutely flying to the football in every single play. Their eyes are able to basically know, anticipate, and see where a play is going, which way the ball's going before it actually happens. Um, you know, I like Dane Crookshank. I think he's a low risk, high reward guy. You look at the Bears. I mean, there was long overdue turnover at the safety position. Deion Bush, a guy who's been a core special teamers, core special teams player under the Ryan Pace era. Unfortunately, you know what? He's gone. And I wouldn't even be mad if Deion Bush started for the Kansas City Chiefs. DeAndre Houston Carson, another special teams guy. I think he was brought back solely because of his special teams ability. But it's going to be interesting because the way the board falls, I mean, I would not be surprised to see the Bears take a safety, mainly a guy like a Lewis sign from Georgia or Jalen Petrie, who we'll get into here in just a moment. But, you know, this safety room needs work. They haven't had a solid presence at that position, a hard-hitting box, strong safety. Since Adrian Amos left town, it's going to be important for Eddie Jackson to kind of turn his career around because he could very well be a post-June 1st cut in 2023. I would even argue that you could also see him just being here through the end of the 2023 season. That's just what makes Jackson's contract. I mean, at the time, it seemed like the right deal because he was coming off some really good seasons. But looking at it, he's regressed. And he, I think, is a player that needs to have a major turnaround. Yeah, he's been described as, you know, getting a clean slate here in Iberflu's new defense. You know, who knows? Maybe Eddie Jackson does turn around in a new defense, a new scheme. Um, you know, you talk about some of the comments. There's a comment from him earlier today from the voluntary workouts, how uh, he thinks the scheme is a little bit more simpler for the players in terms of knowing what their assignments are. And 
um, all that stuff, you know, that, so that they can play faster and more, you know, energetic getting to the football. Um, I, I think that's a positive and right direction moving forward. You know, I thought Sean Desai did a great job with defense uh, last year, given what he had on that unit. And obviously Big Fangio's defensive mastermind really helped get the most out of Jackson when he was here. Um, but, you know, Eberflus kind of brings a different energy here and a different um, type of philosophy to his defenses when compared to Desai and Fangio. So I'm really curious to see how Eddie Jackson is used this year. And I'm curious to see how he responds to a new defensive coordinator now that, um, you know, it's not guaranteed that he's going to be a long-term part of the plans here with this franchise. He's going to have to prove it once again here. So um, that'll be interesting to point out, but, you know, I, I think it's time to we for us to get into this safety class here. Now that we've talked about where the bears are at, at the position. And before we get into our top five, I think, uh, we should talk about this class as a whole. You know, I'll say it, you said, I think this is a pretty darn solid safety class. I don't think it's one of the most talented, you know, positions in this draft class by any means, but I think it's kind of in that middle range where uh, there's a lot of solid talent at the top here. There's some solid depth, some guys on day three, late day two, where I think could have some starter potential for you. Um, and, you know, it's one I'm excited to talk about here because there are a lot of names I think that the Bears could target in this class, especially later in the draft when they start to, you know, hopefully those you know, diamonds in the rough, so to speak, start to really drop in the, in the draft class with some of the other more talented positions at the top, like edge, edge class, uh, the offensive line, cornerback, wide receiver. You know, these guys may get pushed down the board a little bit. So, um, you know, before we get into your top five, you said, what are your thoughts on this class as a whole? Yeah, I would say I really like the draft class as a whole. I mean, there's a lot of players, you know, and the whole group is just headlined by Kyle Hamilton. But you've got guys like Petrie, Lewis, Sign. Jaquan Brisker, you know, really solid players, obviously going to go ahead and be day one starters. Now, I will say this, I think this is one of the more talented safeties classes that we've seen over the last couple seasons. Um, You know, I look back to like the 2021 draft, the 2020 draft, if I had to rank them, I would say the 2022 class is up there, but it's because those two classes didn't have a blue chip prospect. This one doesn't Kyle Hamilton, which kind of puts it over the top, but, you know, looking at my top five here and just getting into that. I mean, number one, I think it's the consensus number one safety in this class. You've got Kyle Hamilton, 6'4", 220, incredibly rangy and versatile player. A lot of people say he's a top draft prospect in this class. I mean, he's got really good football IQ, really good in coverage. You can pretty much play him all over the place and he will have a big impact. Um, You know, I really like the ball skills that he has. I remember watching Notre Dame versus Florida State entering the 2021 season. Kind of that was one of the games open up. Hamilton was such a big force. He continued that consistent run. So with Kyle Hamilton, I really see no weaknesses. I mean, I know people are going to say, well, there's not necessarily a perfect prospect, but Kyle Hamilton is a darn good safety. Number two, I've got Lewis Sign, one of the faces of the Georgia defense. And, you know, I think you get Lewis Sign. He's played as a single high defender pretty much most of his career. The experience being, I think, a two- or three-year starter really sticks out. You look at him overall, you know what? He's good when it comes to knowing and understanding the game from a mental aspect, but what Lewis Sign does so well is just – lower the hammer. He's so physical, so violent, really, really, really aggressive in the run game. You know, he's somewhat limited in terms of his um, versatility, but ultimately just a uh, good defender. I'm sorry, you know, got really good, um, you know, athleticism and strength too. So Lewis signs a player. I know that I'm higher on than most people because he does bring versatility 
or I'm sorry, you know, a lot of physicality to the position. Now you look at Jalen Petrie, he's my number three guy. And Jalen Petrie is someone that I feel like has slowly risen up draft boards. Um, I think that he's an ideal fit in a zone scheme. So something that the bears could possibly look to do. I think that Petrie's upside is, um, really high as well. I will say that he did somewhat play at times close to the uh, line of scrimmage and then his ability to just be a tackler, be really solid in coverage are two things that are just strong suits of his game. Um, Let's just say there's a situation he has to play on special teams, then, you know, Petrie would be a really solid player there. And then number four, I have uh, Jaquan Brisker from, uh, Penn State. Now, Brisker is interesting because he's, I think, a showcase just growth from 2020 to 2021 in terms of the mental aspect of the game. I think his tackling radius is amongst some of the best in the NFL. Um, he's a pretty rangy safety, too. Now, in terms of, you know, what he's able to do, production as in ball skills, I thought he's been pretty solid there as well. And then, you know, when you look at um, Brisker, one thing overall is just the athleticism that he brings to the position, I think is what makes him a really complete prospect. And he's able to just move around with so much ease. So, you know, Brisker is a name that's a really solid player as well. Number five, I have Michigan's very own Daxon Hill in this draft class, you know, Michigan defenders kind of taking the cake is you have Hutchinson, you have Ojabo, the two edge rushers. Um, Daxon Hill's another one. What I really like about Daxon Hill is that he can play, you know, in two to three different positions. I think you can play him in the slot, play him at both free and strong safety. You just look at him overall. You know, the one game I thought he really struggled was against Michigan State going back to, I think, the 2020 season. But, um, you know, I wish he had – some more production in terms of ball skills. I think that there were some missed opportunities for him, but he's just such a smart and instinctive player, a, um, you know, really versatile player overall. I think you could play him in the nickel too. And then just his ability to read, react, and diagnose what's happening with the ball carrier, especially in the running game, that really sticks out to me. So Daxton Hill, you know, is really tough as well, really smart and instinctive player. But, you know, that's kind of how my top five are rounding out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Yeah, we have a pretty similar top five in terms of the players that are in there, but the order is a little bit different here. Now, what is the exact same here is Cal Hamilton is my number one safety as well out of Notre Dame. I mean, it's just rare to find safeties and defensive backs with his physical profile. You know, six foot four, 220 pounds with 33-inch arms. Like, this guy is massive for safety. Like, he is almost the size of your modern-day linebackers now. And, you know, I don't care what the 40-yard dash says, but this guy combines that with really good speed, sideline to sideline as well, as well as, you know, filling the alleys with the speed as well. So uh, this guy has – he has a special talent. I know the 40-yard dash is a stickler for, for some people in terms of, you know, rating him as a safety. Um, again, I don't think – he showed necessarily like elite, elite speed on tape, but he still showed that he was very fast for, especially for a guy at his size. So it was surprising, surprising for me to see that you know, his 40 was a four five nine at the NFL scouting combine. And then there were talks about him running a four seven at his Notre Dame pro day, which really kind of, I think scared off a lot of people, you know, cause he was considered an elite talent in this class, a blue chip player um, and possibly even the best player in this class, just, when taking positional value out of the picture there. And now it seems like a lot of NFL, you know, draft Twitter guys and scouts in general kind of cooling on him as that type of prospect. Like he still seems a first round guy, but maybe not the, you know, blue chip player that he was considered going in to this draft cycle here. And, you know, again, I kind of fell victim to it too. I don't really have him as, you know, that blue chip guy anymore because I did need to see that 40 time confirmed. Um, it just, in my opinion, the fact that he's run slow at it, um, it is a little, a little bit of concerning in terms of, you know, can he play that sideline to sideline role in the pros, or is he just going to be a really big freaky, you know, box safety for you. Um, but he is a very talented football player and his athletic testing outside of the 40 yard dash was great all around anyway. So uh, this guy is a great athlete. I don't care what the 40 yard dash says in that terms of things. Um, but you look at what he can bring on a football field. Obviously that size is really useful. He's got really nice ball skills and good instincts. Um, just reading and reacting where plays are going. And I think he can be a, you know, a mismatch um, kind of ext extinguisher, so to speak, if that makes sense, where, you know, you have a tight end, uh, let's say like a prime Jimmy Graham, um, who just creates a lot of mismatches because he's too big for your cornerbacks and safeties out there, but way too fast for your traditional linebackers. Well, get a guy like Cal Hamilton, Hamilton out there and he can, uh, take those type of players out of the game, like Jimmy Graham, Travis Kelsey. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to take them out of the game, but he can make life tough for them because you know he's big, he's physical, he's lengthy, and he's he has the ability to stick with them in man coverage, even if he's initially beat because of that recovery speed that he has. And uh, there's a lot you can do with a guy like Kyle Hamilton. Um, you know, he's got to work on a couple of things here. There's some minor things like his tackling form and stuff like that. But, you know, this guy hits hard. Uh, he's got good reaction skills. He can run, he can hit, um, he's got ball skills. Like he's got the full package there. And I think he's a pretty easy lock to go in the first round here. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes in the top 10. If he do does fall out of the top 10, I think it seems to get very good value on him uh, because I think he's got probable potential uh, regardless of the type of role you have for him at the next level. And then my number two, I actually have your number five guy here and that's Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Uh, very interesting player because he's been a free safety for most of his career at Michigan. And then this past year, they ended up uh, converting him to slot corner primarily um, to take advantage of his coverage skills. And that's really the main sell with Daxon Hill is that this guy is a phenomenal athlete, even though he's a little bit undersized. 
but his coverage ability is top notch amongst the safety class. I, I think he could play full time as a slot cornerback, and he would be really damn good in the NFL if he was just doing that. You add in the fact that this guy has rare speed working sideline to sideline as that free safety over the top, whether he's in you know cover one man or cover three schemes. Uh, this guy has the ability to play that ball hawking uh, safety 20, 25 yards. Uh, away from the line of scrimmage and make a ton of plays on the ball because his speed's on the sideline, especially he anticipates things really, really fantastically. And again, if you're looking for a guy that has versatility in coverage, you're, you know, play down the box, play some slot for you. He can cover legitimately slot wide receivers in the NFL because he's got great quickness. He's got good anticipatory skills and man-to-man coverage. Um, he's got very solid technique in terms of uh, flipping his hips and triggering on routes in zone coverage. Like, you can run any type of cover scheme you want, and Daxon Hill is a good fit for it. I think he'd be perfect for a fixed Fangio style of system where it's a lot of cover four, a lot of you know two high safety shells, and you know those type of safeties and, and those systems, they're asked to do a ton in coverage in terms of you know on some plays, you know they're playing that single high roll when they roll to cover three. Uh, they're asked to come down and cover tight ends and, and slot wide receivers. Um, in the in underneath coverages, uh, lots of zone, lots of mixes of cover man, uh, man match zones, uh, so to speak. Like uh, he is perfect for that type of system there. And I think Daxon Hill, I have a late first round to early second round grade on him. I, I think he's a, a great fit for this modern NFL safeties where they have to do pretty much everything out there in coverage. And he fits that bill perfectly because he can do just about everything you want from a safety in terms of uh, the coverage. Um, aspect of things and then my number three guys a little bit of pretty much the opposite and it's Jalen Petrie out of Baylor and Petrie is a very interesting player because I think um, he may drop in the draft just because of the fact that he's a very role specific prospect in terms of you know if you play him like a traditional safety I think in the NFL you're probably not maximizing what his skill set is because this is a player that doesn't really do a great job when he's asked to play sideline to sideline like moving side to side or backwards in his back pedal that's not really where he's comfortable Jalen Petrie plays like he's almost like a hybrid edge linebacker except he's in you know a, a six foot 200 pound like small body and it's just really fascinating to watch because he played an interesting role at Baylor where he was basically playing the star position for them and their defense and what the star position is is basically it's like a hybrid slot cornerback slash linebacker where you know, you know against 11 personnel he's playing that slot cornerback where he's matched up against wide receivers but when teams go to base against them in 12 personnel or you know, 22 personnel whatever it is you know he's kind of playing like an edge role where he's you know locking down the edge in the run game he's blitzing a ton he's penetrating into the backfield um you know he is at his best when he is just moving when he can watch what's going on in front of him and just attack going forward because he's got a great instincts for um closing in on routes in front of him. Uh, he's a great tackler. He's extremely physical. He's a great blitzer. And he's a weapon in the run game because he can get around blocks pretty easily. He's not going to take on too many blocks to the next level just because of his size. But he does a nice job of using his quickness and anticipating things to get around blockers and offensive linemen to get after ball carriers. So he is a very fascinating player. I think he's going to be at his best in a similar role in the NFL where he's basically your slot cornerback you know, slash, you know, overhang linebacker. There's not a ton of defenses that do that type of thing. So 
Um, I, I wonder whether he may get schemed out by a lot of teams off their draft board because of that. But I think of a team like, you know, Seattle who values tackling in, in their system, they play a lot of zone coverage. Like he kind of mentioned, I think he's best in the zone scheme because he just doesn't, he's not really proven as a man defender at this point. Um, but you put him in a scheme where he's basically just looking forward the entire time and not asked to turn his head and run backwards too much. I think he, he has a ton of potential to be an impact player for you. Um, it just in a specific role is what you're looking at here with Jalen Petrie. And then my number four uh, player here is at the safety position is Lewis sign out of Georgia. Uh, I, I love first thing. The first thing I like about Lewis sign here is the way that he runs the alley. Um, you know, he runs like he's got his hair on fire when he's going from, uh, you know, going from that deep safety position, 10, 15, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. And then when he's attacking in the run game to take on the ball carry, he was trying to kick things outside. Like he is extremely fast uh, when he's running the alley there. And he's extremely physical when he gets the ball carrier to try and make a play on the tackle there. So uh, that's the first thing I really like about him, his triggering skills and his triggering speed is phenomenal as a safety position. Um, and there, I think there's a lot of potential for him to be a sideline to sideline threat because of that speed in space. Um, again, he's a very physical player. I think he's got some potential in coverage as well. Now, the thing with, with sign as compared to some of these other guys that kind of play that similar style is that he's got to put on some weight at the next level. But if he can do that, I think he's got legitimate ability to be an impact safety. I think he's going to be a starter right away for you. I, I like him in that too high scheme that there's a little bit less, um, you know, emphasis on their coverage. And he's asked to be more of a triggering downhill uh, safety in, you know, on underneath routes and then, uh, you know, in the run game, I think very similar to Adrian Amos who kind of played that role for the bears for such a long time. Again, if Lewis sign can bulk up a little bit, I think that's where his best role is at in the NFL. And then my number five guy is Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn state. Like you said, he's a great athlete. I think he's a solid all around player. He's probably best billed as a, uh, more of a box safety in the NFL because I'm not sure he's got the coverage skills to be that true free safety moving forward. Uh, but I like what he provides as a tackler. Um, I think he's very good in coverage in the underneath routes. Um, again, it's where you get to 15, 20 yards, 25 yards down the field where um, you start to see some warts in his coverage ability and his instincts, you know, playing the ball down there. But when he's in, in the first 10 to 15 yards, of the line of scrimmage, and he's you know moving forward and he's kind of in that shortened area, um, he's very solid in coverage. And again, I, I think he's another guy who you plug and play him as a starter in the NFL, and he's going to be a nice player for you for a very long time. I have a day two grade on him. And really, um, Petrie on those three, and when you look at Petrie, Sign, I know Sign's getting some buzz as a first-round pick recently, but Petrie, Sign, uh, and Brisker, all of them, I have day two second-round grades on them because I think all of them are solid players who you can plug in right away, and they offer some upside as well depending on the type of defense and role that you put them in within that defense. So now that we've talked about our top five gear, guys there, um, a lot of the same names that we talked about here, you say, but now let's get into our um, sleepers and overhyped players for this draft class. And I'll start with you for who is your main sleeper in this safety class um, for this draft? Yeah, so my sleeper is actually going to be Auburn's very own Smoke Monday. You know, Smoke Monday is an intriguing case study for me because he's about six foot three, 200 pounds. And I think that a lot of people have looked at him. And first things first, they love the name. But then number two, you know, you really get into the meat of just who he is as a prospect. And you see a big physical imposing safety. You see a guy who's 
got a really good athletic profile. He's a really good athlete. But what bothers me about Smoke Monday is that he knows where the ball is going. He's able to identify that, but sometimes he makes starts his pursuit a second too early or a second too late, and then his overaggression kind of just does get him more in trouble. So he needs to let learn to let the play basically go ahead and come to him, you know, but he's an aggressive, hard hitter. He's played all over the Auburn Tigers defense. And then, you know, he needs to be able to be more productive in terms of the ball skills. There's times where you see perfectly times it other times. He's just a second too late in terms of breaking up a pass. I think just an incredibly tough player as well. And that toughness shows up in the run game. So ultimately when you look at him, you know, I think he's a solid prospect with the ceiling of a multi-year starter in the NFL, but he's not going to blow anyway, anyone away by any means because he does not have the ideal range needed to be a elite safety at the next level. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Can we talk about for a second how perfect of a name Smoke Monday is for an NFL safety in the NFL? Like, especially that box safety that just wants to hit the living shit out of people. Like, Smoke Monday is about as perfect as you can get. I mean, uh, so first of all, on the name scale there, I mean, that is absolutely uh, perfect. And I, that's, I mean, automatically you have to love that Smoke Monday just because of that alone. But uh, getting into my sleepers here, I have a couple that I wanted to talk about. The first one, I think is a little bit of a bigger name here, and that's Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. He kind of fits more of that box mold of a bigger physical safety who's not afraid to mix it up in the run game and match up against tight ends. Um, you know, Brian Cook is a player that I think he uh, he's probably going to be a late day two, early day three bet at this point is what I'm projecting him to be. Um, I, I'm kind of have a, a similar grade for him in that range. You know, again, I don't think he's a very versatile player in coverage. I think he's at his best in kind of that Adrian Amos role where, you know, he can trigger from uh, two high shells, you know, attacking downhill and matching up in the underneath zones and against tight ends and man coverage. And I think he can do really well there. But where his best value is at is in the run game where uh, he can really truly be that safety blanket for you in the back end of defense because he is a sound tackler. He's very physical at the point of attack. Um, and he can lay some big hits on you if you're not careful, if you're a ball carrier or receiver going over the middle of the field. Um, he, he's just a very solid player, in my opinion. I think he tests decently well um, with, with his testing numbers. So I think he's a player that projects as a solid starting strong safety in the NFL. And you know, again, there are some issues with him in coverage, but I mean, they're not glaring or anything like that. I think he can still be a solid cover guy in the NFL. 
it's just a matter of maximizing that and you know putting him in the right position to use his tackling ability and size to his advantage. And then my other safety here is uh, a little bit of a smaller guy, literally, in JT Woods out of Baylor. And I think he's interesting because I kind of I kind of think he's looking. He fits what I think Eberflus is looking for in his safeties in terms of being very long at six foot two, but has ridiculously long arms. But I mean, this guy, if you're talking about putting on weight here, this guy needs to put on weight because he's very undersized um, at the position. You know, he's got a very lean frame. Um, there's not a ton of pure like muscle on there. He's just a, a long, wiry guy who um, I just think, He's, he's going to struggle early on with the physicality of the game because you see it at the college level. Like he, he plays hard. He tries to tackle hard. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder. Uh, but there are way too many times where he's going to make a tackle and guys just bounce off of him easily because he just doesn't have the mass to, you know, really drive guys into the ground, so to speak. So JT Woods is you know, a little bit of an interesting player there. But the reasons why you like him is that he's extremely versatile with how you can use him. Uh, again, they use him in, in a too high shell at Baylor quite a bit. So he's comfortable running the alley and coming underneath to play in zones or defend against the run. He's comfortable playing that single high role when they roll the cover three. And he's a single high guy playing free safety. And he has the ability. I mean, he ran a 4-3-40 at the NFL Scotting Combo. So this guy's got legitimate track speed. He can run sideline to sideline. Um, the instincts are far behind, though. You know, he's got a lot of a, a lot of growing to do in terms of the awareness part of the game and the understanding of you know, anticipating routes and what offenses are doing to try to attack him. You know, there are a lot of blown coverages on tape from him. So he's truly a project at the next level. He's not a guy that I think is ready to start right away. But again, if you can bulk him up a little bit and maintain some of that speed that he does have, um, I think, you know, if you can coach him up, there are some intriguing traits to build off of where he could be a starter down the line. If anything, he's somebody that can contribute on special teams for you because he does have that speed. He is not afraid to play physical and once he adds a few more pounds to his frame, um, I think he can be a solid tackler as well. He definitely has a willingness to tackle. It's just a matter of, you know, whether he has the physical traits to pull it off at the next level. And also, he's got pretty good ball skills as well. As well. He led the, uh, the Big 12 in interceptions last year, I believe, at Baylor. So um, he's a guy who does have a knack for getting interceptions and getting his hands on balls there. So um, and that's one thing Iberflus is looking for from his defensive backs. He wants to create a culture of, you know, generating turnovers and having a guy like JT Woods who does have those long arms, he does have ball skills, he's got speed to get to the ball. Um, you know, that, that's something I think the Bears could be intrigued by here as a flyer on day three. Um, so now that we talked about our sleepers, let's get into our overhype prospect. For you, you said, who is your overhype safety in this class? For me, it's Quentin Lake from UCLA. You're looking at a guy who's you know, six foot one, um, 190 something pounds, kind of undersized for a player who tries to really play much bigger than he is. You know, he's not as strong as a couple of these other safeties that I think are going to be available on day three. You know, he's a bit of a smart player, right? But then also you look at his tackling, it just needs so much work. It's like he doesn't really necessarily grab by the grab players by the legs, play with proper technique. It's more so of just, hey, let me drag you down. Let me go ahead and kind of get you know, dragged along in the process is, you know, explosive speeds really lacking. So that just contributes to him not being as rangy as a lot of people are willing to admit it's solid ball skills, really mistimes jump sometimes. So ultimately you look at him, you know, I think that Quentin Lake's a guy that I don't 
think is even going to be drafted like some people think he is. I think he's going to end up falling to the undrafted free agent pool and his ceiling is really just going to be in the NFL, a special teams player. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, in, in terms of my overhyped prospect, it was tough for me to find anybody. Uh, that I really dislike compared to the consensus because overall I like this safety class, you know, pretty, pretty similar to the way the consensus is working right now. Like, you know, most guys that I have graded as a second round talent are graded out as second round talents. Generally, most guys that are, you know, considered day three guys, I had them as day three guys. So um, it was really hard to find a guy that I thought was overhyped, but I, I guess if there's one player that's getting, uh, a little bit of an overhype right now is Kirby Joseph out of Illinois. And it's like a slight difference here. Like I've seen uh, the only uh, difference between me and some of the guys in the consensus is that, you know, Kirby Joseph in recent weeks I've noticed has kind of entered sort of that late second round um, area of the draft in terms of some mock drafts and predictions. While I am firmly as a late to mid third round guy, um, just because, you know, there are some question marks with Jeremy Joseph. And again, he went to Illinois. So I have a soft spot for Illinois in general. So generally, I want to like these guys a lot. But, you know, Joseph, interesting path to the field here because, you know, he didn't really play a ton at Illinois throughout his entire college career. And then this past year, he ends up filling in at safety. He only has one year of production here. He's a little bit of an older prospect and um, very interesting player because this guy legitimately has very good ball skills and processing ability to be a true ball hawking free safety NFL, but he doesn't have the speed you necessarily want to kind of play that role either. He's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say slow, but definitely not a speedster running sideline to sideline that you would expect from a guy with his profile. Like he had a ton of generated a ton of turnovers last year because he does have very good instincts and coverage. He can anticipate things. He can read the eyes of the quarterback and read routes to uh, make plays on the ball then. So there are some things to absolutely love about Kirby Joseph. But again, we're trying to, you know, see that this guy is going from college to the NFL and what works in college may not necessarily work in the NFL because the margin of error is that much thinner. And Kirby Joseph, I, I just don't think he has the speed to be really an impact player at that same rate that we saw this last year in the Big Ten for him um, because you need to have that special playmaking speed, I think, to be that type of guy. And then you look at the rest of his profile, you know, I think he's a little bit of an undersized, not undersized, but definitely a skinnier, a lengthier player, um, not a great tackler. Um, I think he's he's shown some willingness at times, but you're not drafting him to be uh, a tone setter in the run game. This guy is purely being brought in for his coverage ability and his playmaking ability uh, to generate turnovers for you. And, you know, I think he can do that, but you, you, you run the risk of, you know, can this guy be like, maybe not like having a elite season like 2018, but is this guy like a high-end version of Eddie Jackson or is this guy – or uh, a Jackson or a Ha Clinton Dix, you know, giving you uh, that type of production. Obviously, Ed Jackson, I think, was a better player at his peak than Ha Ha Clinton Dix. But um, or is he, this guy just a rotational third safety who 
you bring him in on dime packages and he can kind of be that extra cover player for you who can make some plays in the ball. Like there, there are legitimate questions about whether Kirby Joseph is going to be a starter in the NFL um, because of, you know, he's going to be limited to a specific role and he may not have the, the right physical um, tools to, to really excel in that, in that role. So it's a matter of he's a little bit new to the position starting, you know, can those instincts really translates to the NFL level to where he's a step ahead of everybody and can continue to make plays as a starter at safety. I'm not really sure that's the case, but again, I like Kirby Joseph overall. I have a third round grade on him. I think, you know, I think he could be a fit for a lot of teams as that early on as that rotational safety that maybe develops into a starter. So I'm not, I'm not hating on the guy, so to speak. I'm just, again, I'm, I'm seeing some hype for him going a little bit higher in the draft where I feel comfortable and with the safety class being the margins where they are, he just happens to be the guy that I think I'm a little bit lower on than what the consensus is right now. So now that we talked about this safety class a little bit, you said, now it's time to talk about the fact that, you know, safety, I think, is a bit of a need for the Bears going to this draft. We talked about some talents that are going to be there on day two and on day three. So now the question becomes, what do the Bears do at the position? And, you know, frankly, I think the safety position could be, um, position that the Bears do draft here. Obviously, Iberflus has kind of shown his background that he doesn't draft safeties very high. So I think you're looking at day three probably. But uh, you say, what do you think the strategy – first of all, what do you think their strategy should be to address safety in this draft? And what do you think they'll end up doing here um, as we get closer and closer to draft day? I think the strategy has to be very plain and simple here because knowing – and I've mentioned this multiple times, but just Eberflus's track record of developing these defensive backs. You know, he took Julian Blackman from being a second round pick to being a legitimate starter. Safety should not be that high atop the Bears' list of needs, especially knowing the other needs that this team has, like offensive line and wide receiver. And I think that just sort of goes for any defensive draft pick in this 2022 NFL draft for the Bears. It's like those, you've got five or six picks. Those are about as valuable as it gets. So I'm going to go ahead and say this, that you take a safety only if there's a blue Pretty good player, I should say, that falls, right? Kyle Hamilton, obviously not going to go ahead and fall. Um, I stopped myself from saying blue chip prospect there because I don't believe that any of these guys are truly blue chip prospects outside of Kyle Hamilton. But, you know, let's just say a guy like a Daxon Hill, Lewis Sign, Jaquan Brisker, Petrie, Brian Cook, you know, you don't take them in the second round. It would be nice to have them alongside Eddie Jackson, but Second, third round, I would say don't take a safety. Fifth, sixth round is, I think, where you consider taking a safety, kind of go ahead, draft, and develop that guy. Because, again, this team needs offense, offense, offense. The defense is just going to have to basically be rebuilt on the heels of not necessarily elite talent, but really good coaching. So let's just say this were a year later then I would say, yeah, by all means, you could take that second-round pick and go ahead and draft a safety. But since it's considering the situation right now, I would say don't take a safety until day three at the earliest. And, you know, I think it's just a solid strategy because you need to be willing to prioritize whatever your needs are. And right now, you know, we both agreed throughout draft season when discussing these defensive players, it's like the bears needs are on offense. The league's trending towards elite quarterback play elite wide receivers. So the only defensive position I would want to see the Bears draft in round two's cornerback safety can wait till day three. Yeah, I, I agree. I think day three is a sweet spot for where the Bears would address safety. Like I think there are again, like we talked about, 
some quality targets for them on day three to go after here that I think could fill what they're looking for. But, you know, without trying to sound like a broken record, because I think we talked about this a lot for pretty much every defensive group that we've covered in our position previous year, but you know, defense just is not as important for them to address right now with all the needs that they have in offense. Like you look at this depth chart on offense, it's not good, man. It is not very good right now. Like the offensive line is a mess. The wide receiver position outside of Darnell Mooney is not good at all. Like there's just nobody there unless you're counting Byron Pringle. And then tight end, I mean, Cole Komet maybe develops into something, but again, there's they've signed some guys to tight end, so maybe you feel kind of decent there. They're, they, they have some solid veteran talent, I guess, there, but certainly no difference makers at that position. So they need to continue to add talent on that offense. They've spent some resources adding guys on defense and free agency here, I feel like. So, um, again, day two, I agree. I don't think it's a, it's a high need for this team right now. I think they have enough to survive if they were to not draft the safety, but you know, long-term, they are going to need to add some talent here at some point. I know it's not a hugely important position for Iberfus' defense. You need to kind of be solid there in his scheme based off of what we saw in Indianapolis because I don't think they drafted a guy higher than the third round. I think that was Julian Blackman out of Utah a couple of years ago. But other than that, I mean, they've been relying on day three picks to kind of fill starting spots in Iberfus' scheme at Indianapolis. So I think you could get away doing the same thing here. Obviously, Eddie Jackson's your your veteran here. He's the guy you kind of build your safety room around for now. But again, he's not really considered, I think, a long-term part of their plans unless he truly turns around and has a great season for them this year. So, um, you know, I think adding a guy on day three would be smart because one, you kind of add some special teams help for you as well. You need some guys to contribute on special teams. But if that guy can develop to a starter for you, then you have a starter for cheap for four years now on their rookie contract you know, while you're building out the rest of your roster, hopefully on offense to be, you know, hopefully spend some money there next offseason to help out Justin Fields is what the hope is, I would I would think. So uh, you're going to need some cheap stars there. So if you can find that guy on day three, you know, I think it's worth taking that chance. Like guys like Brian Cook is like kind of what I said early in the fourth round, if they can trade back and get a fourth round pick. Uh, JT Woods, I think would be a solid addition in the fifth round. Um, you know, Smoke Monday could be a name for them. You know, who knows? I mean, um, there are some options there on day three of this draft that they could explore. And, you know, while I'm not expecting them to draft it, it wouldn't surprise me at all because, you know, safety is a need for them going forward. And it's just a matter of how much they value it for what they're trying to build here in year one of this rebuild. So uh, with that said, I think that's a good time to wrap it up for this episode of the Picks for Bulls podcast. For all the listeners out there, make sure to like, rate, and subscribe to us on all podcasting platforms. Um, we really appreciate all the support as we get through this draft season. It's been a ton of fun to talk about these positional previews, but now uh, we're full on tilt to the draft now. And um, just a little bit of a preview for our next upcoming episode before the draft is uh, our next episode is going to be our you know, second, or I should say last mock draft episode for this draft cycle, breaking down both of our uh, last mock drafts before the start of the draft year. So that's going to be a ton of fun breaking down who we think the bears uh, could target here in this NFL draft. So that'll be our next episode next week. Make sure to keep an eye out for that bears fans. Um, but other than that, make sure to keep on following us on social media, on Twitter at picks for polls going to be having a ton of content for you guys there on social media and a ton of updates there as well as this draft unfolds to us. So make sure to give us a follow there. Uh, you say it for our listeners, where can they follow you on Twitter and find your work? 
Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report as well. Going to have some coverage going into the weekend as well as going into the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give Usaid a follow. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Freeman 25 uh, You can find my work at the Bear Report where I'm going to be having some mock draft content out uh, this upcoming week to prepare for the NFL draft. I've got some scouting reports which you can, which you can check out on the Bear Report as well. Um, if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about some of the wide receivers and offensive linemen in this class and uh, make sure to, su- to subscribe to the bear report on YouTube as well. Following the draft, uh, we'll be getting some content out there, breaking down some of these draft picks and free agency signings. So make sure to check those out as well on the bear report YouTube channel. So without further ado, thank you again, once again, to our listeners for tuning into this episode. Um, we are getting down to the wire. Like I said before, down to the wire here with the draft just a week away. I'm looking forward to it, um, and it should be a ton of fun. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.